Varieties of Minimalist Moral Views. Against Absurd Acts. By T.E.O. Agentival. A standalone part of minimalist axiologies. Alternatives to good minus bad views of value. Heading. 1. Introduction. What are minimalist views? Minimalist views of value, axiologies, are evaluative views that define betterness solely in terms of the absence or reduction of independent bads. For instance, they might roughly say, the less suffering, violence, and violation, the better. They reject the idea of weighing independent goods against these bads, as they deny that independent goods exist in the first place. Minimalist moral views are views about how to act and be that include a minimalist view of value, instead of an offsetting, good minus bad, view of value. They reject the concept of independently positive moral value, such as positive virtue or pleasure that could independently counterbalance bads. Minimalist views are sometimes alleged, at least in their purely consequentialist versions, to recommend absurd acts in practice, such as murdering individuals to prevent their suffering or opposing life-extending interventions lest we prolong suffering. My aim in this essay is to broadly outline the various reasons why the most plausible and well-construed versions of minimalist moral views, including their purely consequentialist versions, do not recommend such acts. Subheading. Sequence recap. For context, below is a chronological recap of the present series on minimalist views so far. 1. Positive roles of life and experience in suffering-focused ethics. Even if we assume a purely suffering-focused view, it's wise to recognize the highly positive and often necessary roles that various other things may have for the overall goal of reducing suffering. These include the positive roles of autonomy, cooperation, nonviolence, as well as our personal well-being and valuable skills and experiences. Suffering-focused moral views may value these things for different reasons, but not necessarily any less, than do other moral views. 2. Minimalist axiologies and positive lives. Minimalist axiologies define goodness in entirely relational or instrumental terms, namely in terms of the minimization of bad such as suffering. These views avoid many problems in population ethics, yet the minimalist notion of relationally positive value is entirely excluded by the standard, restrictive assumption of treating lives as isolated value containers. Minimalist views become more intuitive when we adopt a relational view of the overall value of individual lives, that is, when we don't track only the causally isolated contents of these lives, but also their, often far more significant, causal roles. 3. Peacefulness, nonviolence, and experientialist minimalism. For purely experience-focused and consequentialist versions of minimalist views, an ideal world would be any perfectly peaceful world, including an empty world. When it comes to theoretical implications about the cessation and replacement of worlds, one can reasonably argue that offsetting, good minus bad, views have worse implications than do minimalist views. Zooming out from unrealistic thought experiments, it's crucial to be mindful of the gap between theory and practice, of the pitfalls of misconceived consequentialism, and of how minimalist consequentialists have strong practical reasons to pursue a non-violent approach, and to cooperate with people who hold different values. 4. Minimalist extended very repugnant conclusions are the least repugnant. It has been argued that certain, repugnant conclusions, are an inevitable feature of any plausible axiology. Yet based on a, side-by-side, -side comparison of different views, it appears that offsetting views share all the most, repugnant, features of minimalist views while introducing additional sources of repugnance.
Overall, the comparison suggests that the conclusions faced by minimalist views are the least repugnant. 5. Minimalist views of well-being. Personal well-being is often defined as the balance of that which is good for oneself over that which is bad for oneself. We may be skeptical of such good minus bad views of well-being due to the many reasons to doubt the offsetting premise. That is, the premise that independent bads can always be counterbalanced or offset by a sufficient addition of independent goods. This premise is rejected by the whole variety of minimalist views of well-being. These include experientialist views, where well-being is the degree to which we are free from experiential sources of ill-being, such as suffering, disturbance, or a visceral non-acceptance of our current experience, as well as extra-experientialist views, where well-being is also affected by preference frustrations, interest violations, or objective conditions. Subheading. Alleged recommendations of absurd acts. Overall, we may find minimalist views to be plausible alternatives to good-bad views. Yet, as mentioned above, critics sometimes claim that minimalist views would recommend absurd acts in practice, such as murdering individuals, or choosing not to save people's lives, so as to prevent their future suffering. My goal here is to show why the most plausible versions of minimalist moral views do not recommend such acts. For instance, in the case of purely consequentialist minimalist views, the consequentialist framework would be just as considerate of indirect, long-term effects as it would be in the offsetting versions of such views. This is worth noting because the purportedly absurd practical implications arguably don't stem from minimalism itself, but from its combination with implausible interpretations of pure consequentialism. Subheading. Only straight down in the diagram. Minimalist views are broader than that. From the outset, it's worth noting that minimalist views need not be purely consequentialist at the normative level. Similarly, purely consequentialist views need not be purely welfareist, and purely welfareist views need not be purely experience-focused. Finally, even in the case of minimalist views that are purely experience-focused and purely consequentialist, one would still, in practice, give a lot of weight to many extra, experiential and seemingly non-consequentialist considerations such as the positive roles of autonomy, cooperation, and nonviolence, as part of a nuanced and impartial multi-level consequentialism, cf, figure 1. There's an image here, with the caption. Figure 1. Minimalist views of well-being and value are compatible with a wide variety of normative views, yet are sometimes broadly rejected based on objections to a narrow, implausible combination of views, namely purely, experientialist welfareist, minimalism combined with a single-level consequentialism going only straight down in the diagram. The diagram reflects the structure of this essay. Here's a list of bullet points. In section 2, I outline non-consequentialist reasons against absurd acts. I focus on the following five normative positions. Virtue ethics, deontology, social contract theory, care ethics, and skepticism of general moral theories. In section 3, I outline consequentialist reasons against absurd acts. I focus briefly on extra-welfarist and extra-experientialist axiologies, namely on how such views may consider acts of violence or violation to be bad independent of their overall effects on experiential well-being. Lastly, I focus on rule-consequentialist and multi-level consequentialist reasons, such as the instrumental reasons for respecting autonomy, cooperation, and non-violence, which are relevant for all plausible minimalist moral views to the degree that they contain a consequentialist component. That's the end of the list. Heading. 2. Non-consequentialist reasons against absurd acts. 
views of well-being alone aren't normative views. They don't in themselves constitute any general principle for us to follow as a criterion of rightness in our moral decision-making. Rather, they have normative implications for our actions when combined with normative views whose criteria of rightness depend on well-being. For instance, welfareist consequentialism says that well-being outcomes alone determine the rightness of actions, with all other factors, such as intentions, rules, or virtues, being morally relevant only insofar as they affect the well-being outcomes. I assume that all minimalist moral views would give at least some weight to how our actions affect the well-being of others. Thus, the consequentialist reasons against absurd acts, outlined in section 3, can be relevant for all such views. Yet many views may give additional normative weight to other factors, independent of the consequences of our actions. These views and factors may be worth exploring as separate reasons against absurd acts. There's an image here, with the caption. Figure 2. The current section covers this branch. Subheading. Virtue ethics. Nothing stands in the way of combining a minimalist view of well-being or value with virtue ethics whose central focus is the lifelong commitment to developing one's moral character. Virtue ethics is not about seeking out any particular actions that yield the best outcomes, but about fostering a virtuous character from which the right actions would naturally follow. Imagine a moral exemplar who embodies the widely emphasized virtues of courage, kindness, honesty, and integrity. Would they sneak around, opportunistically murdering innocent individuals in the name of reducing suffering? Walk past drowning children. Sabotage healthcare? They most certainly would not act in such ways. After all, those widely emphasized virtues are highly antithetical to such acts of backstabbing, betrayal, deception, and the like. Moreover, even in the unlikely case where one might imagine a consequentialist justification for some seemingly absurd actions, the focus of virtue ethics remains not on any particular actions but rather on the continuous cultivation of an unfailingly virtuous character, avoiding deviation from the path of highest virtue. Subheading. Deontology. A minimalist view may also be combined with deontology, where right action is determined by adherence to a set of moral rules or duties. For instance, deontology can entail a commitment to non-maleficence, do no harm, the golden rule treat others as you wish to be treated, or respecting certain inviolable rights that apply universally to all individuals, such as the right to autonomy. It's easy to see how deontology would directly oppose extreme actions that a purely consequentialist analysis might otherwise justify as stepping stones to better outcomes. For example, consider severe rights violations aimed at hastening the termination of lives that are perceived to have negative welfare. Regardless of whether such actions would practically lead to better outcomes, deontology rejects that outcomes are the full picture of what matters morally, and holds instead that our actions should primarily align with our duties, which often contradict what may seem justified in the edge cases of purely consequentialist reasoning. Subheading. Social contract theory. Similarly, one may endorse minimalist versions of social contract theories which derive moral norms from a hypothetical agreement conceived through rational deliberation, a social contract. Social contract theories center around the idea of consensus among rational agents, implying that an action is morally wrong when it violates the norms of this hypothetical consensus. Imagine a diverse set of people, endorsing a minimalist view of well-being, who deliberate on the moral principles governing their society. Would they endorse norms that allow callous acts like murder, passive bystanderism, or attempting to collapse the healthcare system? 
it seems doubtful that they would endorse the kind of chaotic and unsafe society where such unilateral choices were acceptable. More likely, they would converge on impartial, predictable norms of justice, trust, and respect for everyone's autonomy, with a focus on cooperatively minimizing severe problems, such as extreme suffering, violence, and violation. By contrast, the callous acts in question seem like textbook examples of breaching the social contract. Subheading. Care ethics. Compared to the previous views, care ethics is less abstract and universalistic, and more concrete and contextualistic. A core idea in care ethics is that individuals are fundamentally relational and interdependent beings, with ethical obligations arising from relationships. It is focused on attentive, empathetic, and proactive responsiveness to the needs of others, particularly within relationships of care and dependency. A minimalist version of care ethics would naturally focus on anticipating and addressing the unmet needs of others, without necessarily assuming that their primary concern would be anything like minimizing personal suffering. Rather, it would plausibly involve attending and responding to others on their own terms, with sensitivity to their own goals and pursuits in life. Thus, minimalist care ethics would likely oppose any acts that fail to respond to others in a caring way, such as acts of murder, betrayal, or being insensitive to the subjective perspectives of others. Subheading. Skepticism of general moral theories. Various philosophers doubt the idea of a universal moral criterion that would apply to all actions in all situations, often highlighting the complexity or context sensitivity of morality. They may argue that a universal ethical framework will inevitably oversimplify ethics, or that there is no pressing need for such a framework. A comparison could be made to how physicists use different theories in different domains of applicability, reflecting the complexity of physical phenomena. Similarly, one may find some moral theories plausible and applicable in some domains, yet doubt that any single theory could fully capture the complexity of moral phenomena across all domains. Knutson, 2023, combines a minimalist view of well-being and value with skepticism of overarching moral theories. The resulting moral view does not generate the alleged absurd implications often falsely attributed to minimalist views of well-being or value, as it is not tied to any moral theory that would generate such implications. In sum, while consequentialism deems outcomes the sole criterion of moral rightness, we may also, to the degree that we find it plausible, give independent normative weight to factors like character, duties, agreements, or empathetic responsiveness in our relations with others. Heading. 3. Consequentialist reasons against absurd acts. The following reasons relate to varieties of purely consequentialist minimalist views, but also to all other views that give some normative weight to the relevant assumptions, that is extra welfareist disvalue, extra, experiential components of well-being, rule consequentialism, or multi-level consequentialism. Subheading. Axiological reasons. This section covers views that may consider acts of violence or violation to be bad, in themselves, or for the victim, independent of their overall effects on experiential well-being. Subheading. Extra-welfarist axiologies. There's an image here, with the caption. Figure 3. Minimalist versions of ideal consequentialism, sometimes also called ideal utilitarianism, may hold that acts of violence or violation are worth reducing for their own sake. Even if consequentialist views agree that the rightness of actions is determined solely by the value of their outcomes, they diverge in what they define as the morally relevant parts of outcomes. Welfareism holds that the value of outcomes is based solely on the well-being they contain. 
By contrast, some forms of ideal consequentialism hold that certain acts have intrinsic value or disvalue, independent of their overall effects on well-being. Minimalist versions of ideal consequentialism wouldn't count any acts as intrinsically good or valuable. Yet certain acts would have independent disvalue, thereby decreasing the value of outcomes. For instance, acts like murder or betrayal could in themselves constitute severe bads, and hence count among the very phenomena to be minimized. Subheading. Extra-experientialist welfareist axiologies. There's an image here, with the caption. Figure 4. One may hold that certain things are bad for us even if they aren't part of our conscious experience. We have considered how the scope of normative weight need not be limited to consequences, and how the scope of consequences need not be limited to effects on well-being. Similarly, welfareist consequentialism need not define well-being solely in terms of conscious experiences. While experientialist minimalist views define well-being as the degree to which we are free from experiential sources of ill-being, like suffering, disturbance, or a visceral non-acceptance of our current experience, minimalist versions of extra-experientialist views may additionally hold that we can be severely harmed by factors outside our immediate experience, like unmet preferences, violated interests, or objective conditions. If we combine welfareist consequentialism with these broader views, it follows that we should reduce not only felt harms, but also harms like unwanted or premature death, being subjected to violence, and failed life projects, given that these would additionally be considered to be severe bads in themselves. This adds another layer of opposition to the absurd alleged implications that critics sometimes associate with minimalist views of well-being or value. Subheading. Rule and multi-level consequentialism. Consequentialist views need not recommend case-by-case calculations of the expected outcomes of every single action. This is often cognitively demanding, time-consuming, or even impossible, and hence practically counterproductive by consequentialism's own lights. Instead, some versions of consequentialism provide clearer and more practical guidance for action, by focusing on general rules or heuristics to follow. These rules or heuristics can capture the wisdom of past experiences codifying patterns of action that generally lead to better outcomes. Subheading. Rule consequentialism. There's an image here, with the caption. Figure 5. Rule consequentialism focuses on the consequences not of individual actions, but of generally applied rules. Rule consequentialism deems actions right if they follow rules that, when generally applied, yield the best overall outcomes. Unlike deontology and social contract theory, it selects rules based solely on their expected consequences. Yet all three evaluate the moral rightness of individual actions by rule adherence rather than case-by-case consequences. Minimalist rule consequentialism would strongly oppose acts like unprovoked murder and severe and unprovoked rights violations, as the allowance of such acts is prone to overall increase rather than decrease the amount of problems in the world. At worst, general rules that allowed such acts would risk leading to catastrophic futures. After all, increased conflict and hostility among future actors is a key risk factor for worst-case outcomes, namely, worlds defined by ruthless competition, adversarial dynamics, and escalations that bring out the worst tendencies for hatred, vengeance, and sadism. Rather, the best general rules to adopt will most likely involve a proactive protection of people's lives and safety in part because that seems the best way to secure and develop our shared capacity to solve problems in cooperative ways. Subheading. Multi-level consequentialism. Relevant for all minimalist moral views. There's an image here, with the caption. Figure 6. 
the multi-level approach recommends the decision procedures that best help us bring about better outcomes. Multi-level consequentialism merges act-based and rule-based approaches, providing a layered approach to consequentialist decision-making. It ties the rightness of actions to their overall consequences, yet only recommends that we calculate the consequences of individual actions in the, arguably rare, critical, cases where this is plausibly worth the effort. These could be the occasional high-stakes situations where our established heuristics deeply conflict, are silent, or might lead to highly suboptimal outcomes, prompting a switch to the more analytical level of moral reasoning. In everyday situations, where such detailed analysis is impractical, the multi-level approach recommends the intuitive, decision procedure of following established heuristics that generally lead to better outcomes. These heuristics can often be inferred and justified at the analytical level given our past experiences and knowledge, yet consequentialists need not reinvent all the moral wheels of society. After all, a highly sensible metaheuristic is to assign significant weight to the long-standing recommendations of established norms and other ethical views in typical moral decisions, at least when these recommendations strongly converge to discourage certain types of actions. To effectively reduce problems in the big picture, the multi-level approach recommends that we mostly focus on the kinds of positive, constructive goals that best enable us to collectively prevent problems like extreme suffering, a multi-generational task that requires greater levels of coordination and cooperation, and which requires us to avoid and actively prevent absurd acts. And since all the minimalist views discussed here give at least some weight to minimizing the badness of outcomes, this is, an added, reason for all people with such views to oppose absurd acts. Heading. Acknowledgements. I am grateful for helpful comments by Simon Knutson and Magnus Vinding. This article was narrated by Type 3 Audio for the Effective Altruism Forum. It was first published on November 7, 2023. The original text contained 13 footnotes which were omitted from the narration. To report an issue or give feedback on this narration, go to t3a.is.